Welcome to another episode of Kiss My Mic. This is part four of our Philippinex in Hollywood podcast series. And today, I am joined by three amazing Philippinex artists and creatives who are making waves in the entertainment industry. Our first guest is Alfreds Costello. Alfreds is an actor and content creator. He trained at the New York Film Academy, the Living Theater, and the Acting Studio in New York City. And he has created several content for Instagram TV series. Our next guest is Charles J. Gray. Charles is a writer, director, and he is currently the director of digital content at Character Media, the oldest and only print magazine covering Asian American creatives in the entertainment industry. Charles has directed several documentaries, short films, and is currently working on his first feature film under his production company, Weird Creatures. Last but not the least is Francis Mabora. Francis is an NYC-based Filipino international multi-hyphenate artist and creative. He has a musical theater background, has trained under the American Musical and Dramatic Academy Conservatory program, and has worked on many, many theater productions. All right, so welcome everybody, and thank you so much for being part of this podcast. So, let me kick off this discussion by asking the first question, and this is about your background. Tell us about how you started in the industry, what was your journey like, and what made you decide this path? Who wants to go first? Francis. I think a lot, as, as an actor, a lot of us would actually would say, coming from school, School theater, school productions. I, I started with short skits in class. Then when I went to high school, that's where I actually went into theater, a theater club. And the first ever production was Les Mis and Miss Saigon. So, and then Shakespeare. So that's how I, I, that's how I started onto it. And I didn't stop doing all those things when I went to college because I went to a diplomacy international relations. And that's the only thing, that's the only condition that my parents uh, wanted me to agree on is that once you enter college, top extracurriculars, whether it be theater, dance, or sports, because I was also Taekwondo Jin. And then there was this opportunity that happened that's a casting call, like an open casting worldwide. They were at Inter- Intercon Hotel in Makati. There's no, it's Intercon's no longer there. It's a talent convention called the International Presentation of Performers in LA. So, out of thousands and thousands of people, I was one of the third, less than 20 people who was able to actually go to LA to do that talent convention. And then ever since, I've been coming back and forth to the US to break into the industry. Uh, but the most logical thing for me to actually do is to just go to the academia route again, which is the Amer- I went to the American Musical Dramatic Academy for Musical Theater Conservatory. And ever since, I've been... I've been hitting the ground running. No, that's awesome. I know you have a lot of theater credits. So thanks, Francis, for the intro and for sharing us, you know, your path to get to where you are right now. So it seems like it's really your passion. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up where Francis, you know, started. It's the same thing. I went to a performance art middle school and I loved it. And we we'd put up musicals um, twice a year. And of course, high school was different. And for college, I actually went to San Francisco State for journalism. And after, I think, uh, two semesters, I dropped out and I was sitting at a bus stop. It was actually a low point of my life. And there was a poster for the New York Film Academy. 
And I'm like, you know what? I've lost everything. This is one thing I, I've always wanted to do. So I, I called my parents, told them the situation, and I begged them, you know, if I could fly back. And they said, that's fine. But if, if you want to go to acting school, you're going to have to pay for it. So I took a loan to do one year acting for film at the New York Film Academy. And I loved it, right? And they expose you to all different types of acting. And, and I found a great teacher. And immediately after I graduated, I booked an off-Broadway show, The Brig, with the Living Theater. And I just became a part of their ensemble cast. Quickly, you find out that there's no money in theater. So I, I got a survivor job working in hotels. And for some time, especially with representation, it was so hard for Asian actors to find representation, let alone any kind of roles that were there for us. So I put it on hold. And it was only about two years ago that I, I got back into acting when there was a mass cattle call for Mulan. They needed every Asian actor in L.A., and I, I was sitting in holding, and I've never been sitting in holding where there's 30, 60 Asians. <laughs> and it, it was great. It was, it, it was a powerful experience because usually I'm, only, I'm the only one or there's another one, but there are 60 of us. And I'm like, okay, now it's time. You know, after Crazy Rich Asians, Milan's popping. It's like, there'll be more roles for me. And I asked everyone, well, hey, what have you been up to? And they're like, hey, we've just been doing background for the last 20 years. It's like, okay. And what was important for me, it's like, okay, if there's no roles for me yet, I'm just going to make my own stuff that interests me, right? And I'm going to use the platforms that are available to me. So just with my iPhone and Instagram and just sitting and holding, like, I'm going to write a show called Bad Filipino about the Filipino, you know, nurse that's secretly going to acting school and, you know, his secret from his mom and his mom is secretly trans and they both each have a secret and I'm just going to make it happen. <laughs> and then COVID happened, you know, and I, I realized there's a lot more Filipino stories I want to tell. And, and that led to Tagalog Tuesdays, Filipino Food Fridays. That led to uh, my monologue series. And really now this year, my focus is using what I learned last year visibly Asian to increase Asian visibility, anything from movies coming out, any social movements that are happening, autopilot, where it's other than the obvious, where we're redoing scenes with an Asian cast. And really that's been my focus is to help tell Filipino stories because there aren't enough yet. Absolutely. You're right. We need more representation. We need to see more stories about the Philippine X, Filipina, Filipina characters and culture and the work that you're doing is really helping us amplify our voices. So thanks, Alfred, for sharing that. And you've already touched on so many other topics that I'd like to talk to the three of you today. You talked about the reaction from parents. So we'll talk about the family kind of dynamics, especially coming from a Filipino culture and also the representation in, in your Instagram series as well. So we'll talk about the, the importance of social media. I do want to ask Charles, what about you? Because I saw some of your short films and from a director perspective, what was your journey like? You know, how did you decide to pursue this path and what was it like? For me, I kind of went up a different way. I, my dad is in the film industry in the Philippines and his side of the family is like in the film industry. They're pretty popular over there. But the thing is, I grew up in the States in LA. So I didn't really know that side of the family. I just knew it was in my blood. So my dad in the States, he didn't work in Hollywood. So he worked odd jobs. And so I never got to see my dad as a director. I never thought that was a thing I could do. 
I was actually playing music thinking maybe that's my path. Um, I was in a band, but like, there's, <laughs> I don't think there's money in that or like, I don't know. I mean, uh, so that was just a fun thing, but I was like just working regular jobs. And then after we all graduated high school and it was just my parents at home, my dad decided to go back to the Philippines to restart his career. Cause he moved to LA when he was in his young twenties, he had like I forget what the Philippines version of the Oscars is, uh, but he won one for like best young director. So anyway, I took a trip to the Philippines somewhere in my 30s. Like I'm I'm older and I didn't even think this was a possibility. I saw my dad on set on working on a TV show and it was night and day seeing my dad as director, people like calling him direct, direct. Like he was like showing the actors how he wanted the scene. He was just like, he was like, I never seen my dad that cool. <laughs> and that was it. That was my moment. Like I went back to LA, like uh, Alfred said about like seeing a billboard of New York Film Academy on a bus stop. I was sitting in my bed. I saw a commercial for the Art Institute of Orange County, which is not the greatest film school, but it was a film school and it was like affordable. So I was like, I'm just going to do this and max out that experience. Like I went to school as the oldest student, but I wasn't there to mess around. Like I was there to like, see if this was something I could do. And that was pretty much it from there. It was like hit the ground running, like Francis said. So No, that's awesome. It's good to hear about your family backgrounds. So I guess it was never a question, right? The fact that you're pursuing the creative path is in your blood. It's, it runs in the family. I do want to hear your stories in terms of what was the initial reaction of your family when you decided that this was going to be your path. I'm going to tell mine right out of the bat. <laughs> Uh, funny enough, because no, because I came from a very musically inclined family, and the, my brother who came after me is really very much of a musical person. He made his own band. He learned his own every instrument. When he was at uh, learning guitar, I was learning, uh, trying to learn piano, but that, that didn't come into fruition. He's a natural musician. So while apart from me, him learning guitar, low key, he's learning piano at the same time. He even built his own band. Like every birthday that he has, he would, or every occasion, he or graduation for that sake, he would even ask for another instrument. So he started with an acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and not, I'm, I'm not kidding. He asked a specific one, like a Fender. I was like, if you can give me a Gibson, that's your gift for the next year. I was, and my parents was like, I'm not going to give you a Gibson. So I was like, so they got him a Fender and then a bass guitar and then, a full set, like a drums, because we have the pianos on my full sake anyway. And because I was also a full-time athlete, a student athlete, I didn't have much time to actually practice that as much as I would want it to. And I'm also into theater, so I'm more on the front, on the other side. So when they this when they found out that I really want to reignite my performing, uh, my creative side, they've been saying, you know what, who should be here? It should be your brother, not you. That's a big slap on my face because I was already, yeah, because I was already on the path to becoming a lawyer. And this is back in the Philippines. So the very tradition, the much more conservative sense is up to the higher level, right? And I'm the eldest. What's funny as well, if it weren't for that talent convention, they would not even think of it again. Until such a point that until like I was coming back almost every year for the past two, three years after, after that happened, I keep on trying back and forth again in order for me to actually move to America and actually do it. And what made them decide is like, okay, I said, dad, I have to do this. What would make you say yes? 
I have to apply, I have to take, I have to get training. Oh, we're going to get training. If I want to do it in America, I'd rather do it in America. So I went to the academia route. And then they said, okay, you're going to do your audition, your applications there. Let's talk once you got accepted. Okay, if I got accepted, this I'm planning to move to New York by June. But three months later, uh, I got my acceptance letter. So what are we going to do now? So great. I can I, I convince my dad. My idea was what the plan was. Okay, if you got accepted, you start in June. You move to New York by June. But however, they gave me this opportunity to move to New York earlier than planned. They want me to move at the summer already by June. So I was like, uh, uh, okay, so it should be supposed to be fall, became summer. So we're all rattling until they weren't really convinced that I actually got accepted until they actually saw everything. So, okay, let's have every paperwork. I had to hustle that literally, y'all know how visas work, right? Or you have an idea how visas work, especially if you're a student, it would take you months to actually process your visa. I was able to do it within a month or two, less than two months. And even the school said, wow, you were able to do it. I think you're the fastest one who was able to do it. I was like, my advantage at that time is that I have a diplomacy major and visa processing concerning diplomatic affairs because that's what's my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So I was able to continue doing that. And I never really had that full support until when I graduated, when we did our showcases for graduation showcase for musical theater. My dad came for my graduation. My mom wasn't able to make it. After my number, because my number, my song was the opening number, I saw my dad giving me a thumbs up. And I was so anxious because my dad has never seen me perform, ever. He hasn't even seen any of my school plays or hasn't been in any of my competitions. So I have that anxiety. It's like, oh my God, what is he going to expect? How is he going to behave? How is he going to act? Blah, blah, blah. Since then, since he gave me that thumbs up, I was already crying and we just started the show. It took me years to actually convince them that, that this is actually, could be a pathway for me. It's interesting because I feel like that's a very common, I mean, I guess there's a few exceptions, like with Charles uh, sharing his story coming from a family of people in the entertainment industry. For Filipino families, Tell us about you know the overall reaction of family in terms of your decision to pursue this creative path. Well, my parents are, have always been really supportive, right? Mm-hmm. And with college, they already were helping with that. My father's a is a lawyer. My mom's an accountant. <laughs> so when they're like, "Okay, so you're not going to college. If you are going to go to acting school, take the loans on your own. But we'll help you any way we can." And you know, that's great. As an only child, you know, I'm, I'm their only hope to create a future, right? Mm-hmm. And they never understood, you know, what I did, you know, they, they've always been supportive, and they did see things that I would do. But it wasn't until like, after I gave up acting, and I was successful in my hotel career, where they were really proud, you know, I'd open up hotels in New York and take pictures of everyone shared with their friends. And they're like, Oh, look how successful our, our son is at this new hotel. And I wanted that for my creative life and that hasn't happened until i shot our short film over zoom which francis is one of my co-stars in exodus um that we shot last year and it was a film that they shared with their friends and it wasn't until like they're sharing me their screen caps of their text messages with their friends and how they thought the movie ended when they got and understood why i'm doing this how much i love it and they fully understood my purpose and accepted it. 
that, that was that. And not to mention the short film that you created with Francis also won in the Independent Short Awards, right? Yes. How does that feel? It felt great, you know, that, that I wasn't just going crazy in quarantine with just me and my closest friends on Zoom. And I was just glad people got to see it. You know, I'm glad I got an award for my cast, mm-hmm. right? And for Francis, he got his IMDb credit. And when you look him up, it says award. And for me, that's what's important, right? It, it's not just about me. It's about my community, right? Mm-hmm. Can I jump onto that or what Alfred said? Because that is my first ever actual film project that I've ever done. And I he specifically reached out because the, there's this Filipino character and he wanted me to play it. I was like, why is it you? Because, oh, I'm already doing this character. I was like, is there any other one? It's like, are you sure? It's like, I was I have to ask. And it's great. And and the pattern was for me specifically in my in my acting career. My first ever acting gig was at the New York Renaissance Fair, where we were able. It was predominantly white show, where I was able to do a Filipino character. I was the only one I think on the cast at that time who was able to present his um his heritage as a character in this predominantly white show. And again, when Alfred informed us that we won. To awards, I was like literally jumping off. I was in the middle of a Zoom call for a meeting at work, and I had to shut my my camera off. And I was like, my mute everything. I ha- I was happy. I was like cheering. I was so happy because it never happens that there's your first film first film project would be a role that is of your heritage. Again, thank you, Alfred, for creating that piece. And it doesn't normally happen that the first project that you would get. It's actually it's gonna be an award-winning project. So it's I, I was like crying and I've been messaging him, bombarding him. Yeah, it's insane. And I saw the trailer, Alfred's. Where can we watch the full, you know, the the actual film? So it's actually still making the festival round, so I can't have it out yet. Got it. And I'm actually trying to make a um a theatrical cut because we rushed it. There's whole drama that happened to my editor. So. Um, it's going to come soon. I, I'm hoping by the end of the year. Okay. You know, for sure. We'll definitely look forward to that, Alfred. Thank you. So, Charles, what about you? So, let's talk about the, the craft. And right now, you're writing a full feature, but you have so many different short films before. Uh, the few things that I've seen were the ones that get away following Jamie Chan with the social media influencer. And, and you did something with Dear Gigi Hadid as well, which resonated so much with me. I almost forgot about the whole incident, right, with with Gigi. You know, tell us how important is racial identity to you in terms of creating this type of film? So that's the first question. And then, you know, overall, in terms of what you're trying to develop, what's your inspiration and sort of kind of mission, vision for your creative pursuit? No, thank you so much. Um, no, thanks for watching those. Uh, <laughs> it's good to hear. When anyone says like, oh, I saw your thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Like, that's amazing. Because, uh, you know, they're just like in my YouTube. But um, I'll be honest with you. When I started in film school, it wasn't about let me do Asian representation. Let me try to like, for me, it was just uh, becoming a filmmaker or like ha- learning the craft. So it was like how to talk to actors, how to run a set. Like I was trying to learn all these things. As I started making my projects, I never had in mind like Asian stories or cast Asians. It wasn't until I had this uh, Filipino teacher who kind of, uh, he saw one of my short films that I did as a assignment. And he asked me like, whose story is this? And I was like, oh, I just thought this was a clever script. 
And he's like, well, like, you know, there's a lot of clever scripts. Like you turn on Netflix and there's like a whole plethora of clever scripts. Like he kind of just put it into my brain. Like we want to hear your story. We want to see your perspective. So he actually kind of opened up my eyes just as I was learning the craft, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me think of the bigger picture of this whole, what am I doing here? Like, yes, I'm trying to like, yes, I'm trying to like follow the legacy of my family. And um, just to kind of go back on that thing, it's funny, you would maybe think that like, because I was like doing the, following the path of like my family on my dad's side, you would think like, everyone's like, hey, jo like, welcome to the club. Like, let's, it's another, I don't know how to explain this, but there's almost like this, like, okay, you're doing it. Oh, well, like it, it's not like full easy support right away. Like my dad, even like, he's given me like these nuggets of compliments. Like after he sees my stuff, like one time he saw a short film, uh, the ones that get away. And he, at the end, he was just like, Oh, that was really good editing. And I'm just like, that's it. That's all. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, so, so it's a strange dynamic, but you know, I mean, it's not that he's like hard on me. It just, for myself, it's like, it's making me push like my dad and my, that side of the family. Like they've seen tons of great work. Like I can't just pretend I can just start doing stuff and they're going to be like so supportive. So I actually kind of appreciate that. Like, you know, maybe a little more tougher. It's interesting because I, I don't know um, for sure if this is correct. Right. But it seems like it's possible that because he knows how challenging the industry is that he's being protective, but at the same time being supportive, if that makes sense. I do want to ask Alfred just to go back to the Exodus. It won the Independent Short Awards. You work with Francis. You know, it's good to see the community working, the connection. But I know you directed that as well, right, Alfred? So how did you come up with the idea for that? I wrote this film for an actor named John Rady. Um, he's with my agency. He's this old Irishman that's in Staten Island. And he's actually my biggest fan. He would send me emails of, of of how much he loved my monologues on Instagram and he would always be really supportive and he's like hey we should work on something you know one day it's like yeah sure and I had no idea that um he had a disability he had a, his voice box removed due to, due to cancer so he has an electronic voice box and I was trying to figure out a way how we could work together and were we going to work on scenes you know it was difficult to find scripts that would work and I'm like you know what I'm just going to write a movie around John. You know, like John has this very specific way to tell a story. And I think it's, it's, it's awesome. So let me write a story about a guy that has to deal with another guy that uses an, an electrolarynx. And that, that was like the seed. It's like, okay, now I have that. And now I have a collection of actors all over the world via Zoom. How can I keep my friends working in a safe way with Zoom? Yeah. And that became it. It's like, okay, everyone's losing their jobs. How? They're getting fired through Zoom. Okay, so now like the story's running in my head. Okay, so I have a guy that has to fire people through Zoom, but I want to make it sci-fi so he'll work for the CIA. <laughs> and the biggest conflict is he can't fire this old man because he refuses to, but it becomes an existential crisis like in the Matrix where is he really real, right? Because everyone's already losing their minds. And it, and it just became a thing, right? It became these ideas and I wrote like one draft of the script and I'm like, all right, everybody, let's just do a table read. I just want to hear. <laughs> so, you know, every time my, you know, my, my friends would read with it, you know, read for these different roles. I'm like, okay, changed a bit. So it wasn't until I think like the fifth draft where I really found the story. Cause it's funny while you're writing, you have all these ideas, but you don't know where to put them yet. Right. Until, until you hear it out. 
And, and as I was sitting with my actors, I'm like, this is how it's going to be, you know, and how I'm going to direct them, you know, via Zoom as well was what, what was important. So it, it was definitely special to be able to just, I had to sit with each actor, right? Every, every session's like, all right, we're going to do a one hour session. Um, the first 10 minutes, we'll just talk about the scene. And then I'm going to prepare you for the scene. You know, I'm going to give you, um, you know, two energy centers because it's part of my studies is working with chakras. This is the chakra that you present to the world, right? Your power chakra. And this is your secret chakra that you keep away from the world, your vulnerability, your sacral chakra. So I'll work with them, you know, based on, on my teachings and we'll just shoot the scenes, you know, a couple of times. And I'll edit it and just find the most, you know, honest moments that we'll have together because <laughs> unfortunately it's Zoom. So, you know, it's not like you can just steal, take and, and connect that. And it's like, no, it has to be the take that works for both of you. And then just piecing it all together. Francis, you're, yeah. you're laughing. I can't wait to see your role here. Francis, can you share how you prepared for the role or for any role in general as an actor? Okay, I'll, I'll start first particularly for... Exodus. Funny enough, because the script was originally originally written in English, mm-hmm. and then me and Alfred were filming it. It was over the winter, and I was up between gigs, right? I have my work, and I have something. I've, I've been doing something for the Christmas lighting ceremony here at the Rockefeller Center. When he gave me the script, so it's in English, and then Alfred gave me a specific notion and said, "Okay." Feel free to do it in Tagalog. So on my mind, I already have like something. Uh, I will like literally translate whatever's on the script into Tagalog, but it's not making sense. <laughs> so like literally, there was a point where I would just like literally curse and curse at the same time, <laughs> like literally saying "pi" most of the time, and it was so funny. And here's the thing for actors. I mean, I'm, I'm basing it coming from. My training, okay. I'm, I'm, I was trained in Meisner and also now driving into um, Adler and different techniques. I would personally treat every script, whether it be for musical theater, whether it be film or TV or stage or play, the way we were trained in Amdux, we have the chart. So the first column is the script. We have to break it down either by beat or by line. And then the next column is primarily our our own wording, how we're going to reword that entire line and that entire bit in our own words. And if we speak another language, we can translate them. We have we, we can opt out on that one. And then particularization. And then action words. So that's my process because that's how I was taught into. But because I was in the New York Renaissance Fair and I was, I'm a big Shakespeare head. Mm-hmm. I treat every material very Shakespearean, wherein I have to like literally figure out what do these words and line mean, like the actual mean, not just in the literal sense, but on my, I have to form this like I have to find the mindset of the character, and then that's where the physicality comes from. Because once we start rehearsing and once we start working on it, that's where I'm gonna have to like find this small mannerism. I have to like where it sits on my body because. When I was literally studying Shakespeare back in the conservatory, I had to center everything on breath work. Because, so this is where my training on voice comes in, wherein vocal placement is, I, I'm sorry if I'm being technical, people, for those going to be listening. I'm going to be nerding out on this one. This is like where my vocal placement on it, like 
the very frontal one or where should I be in chest, should I put it in head or mix. But most of the time, I'm putting it on my nasal one, especially when I speak in a high British accent. So it's going to be very much different. So I have to put the physicality on it. The struggle on my end is because the way Alfred's is filming this one is on Zoom. So we were sitting. So for me, I had to like literally be still and find different ways for me to find the breath work on my own. Where am I finding the tension in my body? Because that's, that's where my process is. As long as it clicks on me, oh, it works when I put this tension on like on the back of the shoulder blades. So it's like, this is where I'm like, going to start talking. This is where I'm going to put my breathing happens. Yeah, so that's how I find and I work on my, in any characters that I go into, whether it be a play, a musical. I have to like, especially if I'm working on accents. When we, I work on accents, I work with IPA. So, like, literally, my nerd self would literally use this book. Speak with the, the distinction, the, the Edith Skinner book. So, I, I've been using this since I was in the conservatory. And that's how I add layers on it. So, especially, I'm not a good Irish speaker. I don't know a good RP or receive or standard British. But somehow, some of my accent coach, and then when I was going into voiceover, People would say, somehow you have a good Scottish accent, modern, you have a better sounding of a Scottish than the sound of a British. It's like, I don't know how that had happened, but that's how I start developing on my end as an actor. And again, like for 2020, the silver lining is that if it, I wasn't on my create, on my actual day job as a, as a creative director, I wouldn't be knowing the perspective of the people on the other side of the table, on the other side of the camera, behind the stage, like, uh, like Chris and Alfred are doing here. No, that's good because you already provided a lot of useful topics here. And I think, I mean, this is this is kind of like a master class, right? You know, learning the craft and kind of your process. You talked about Meissner, you talked about practicalization, phys- physicality. So I'll ask the same question to both Alfred's and, and Charles. And I think in more around theme of skills that, that are needed in your craft, maybe I'll start with Charles. So I know all three of you are trained, you know, Charles, you went to Orange County, Francis and Alfred's, you know, went to kind of New York um, film schools. So as a writer and director, what do you think are the skills that you need in order to succeed in your craft? You know, that's funny. This is kind of the big question because I'm still trying to find the answer to that because when I first started, my whole thing was like, yeah, how do I work with people? How do I put a set together? How do I write these words and translate it to screen. But, you know, the more I kept doing it, the more I thought, man, there's so many other aspects to directing that I need to improve on or that there are like, uh, there was no directing class in film school, uh, but we were all told to direct your own little things. So I had to learn just on my own. I watched a lot of interviews with like my favorite directors and I'd even sometimes like ask my dad for tips, but even like those tips and those advices are just like kind of like general broad, like, you know, you're the captain of the ship. Uh, So it's not stuff like I can really use, like they're not particular things. So I I was, but my whole thing was for each project I'm going to do, I'm going to practice or try stuff. I think the best thing is to to try and fail. And I tried so many tricks and things that I learned from like just reading interviews. Like I remember like one thing I'll I'll share is like Sidney Poitier, after he uh, became a successful actor, he, the end of his career here, he went to directing. When he's directing, like say a cast of four in a room, 
and he has a note for one of the actors. He's not going to shout the note to the one actor from the from behind the camera because when you shout the one note, whether it's like, can we do that again, more dramatic or whatever. Now that he shouts the note, everyone in the room hears the note. And now the actor is like, oh my gosh, everyone heard this note. Now I really have to, like the pressure is more on him. So his thing was, I'm going to go to up to the actor and whisper to him my note. Just so it's just a conversation between me and him. So like, I remember reading that. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this now. Uh, Cause I remember I made that mistake on one of my sets where I was behind the camera and it was a big, it was a party scene. Uh, and I shouted a note and I saw her, uh, the actress's face. And I just, she kind of looked like deer in the headlights. And I just saw, I just felt this thing of like, oh man, now she's kind of like pressured. So I know every actor is different. Maybe there are some actors who are like, you can shout a note at me. That's totally fine. Um, I'd love to hear like how Francis and Alfred's like your process of as an actor uh, working with directors, because like that's the stuff I I really like want to get better at. So um, it's just trying to figure out people, their personalities, maybe I think trying things and and seeing what works for you and seeing what works for the actor, because every relationship is going to be different and there's no one way to do it. Uh, There's a ton of ways out there. It's like a, a matter of like what works and at the end of the day, how to get the best performance so and charles i mean i think you're hitting all the right notes and you're already doing it what you said try and fail i mean i like that and you know when you try to talk to the actor directly you're already doing it you know you're trying to find a way to motivate the person and you are the leader you are the captain of the ship to your point so let me ask alfred's the same question as an actor what are some of the skills that you think an actor needs in order to succeed in this craft I think the greatest skill is really no skills at all before anything else is just confidence in yourself and really having an honest conversation. Is this what you love to do? If it is, then put everything into it. And to touch base on what Charles is saying is you have to be brave to be fearless because you're going to fail and it's, it's okay to fail. But what's important is you learn from that failure and find a better way to get to where you need to go, mm-hmm. you know, and all the other stuff you can learn all different kinds of techniques that Francis has touched upon that we do get in conservatory, right? Stanislavski technique. I as well come from a Meisner background and it's like the things with conservatories is they teach you all these tools all, all at one time. And the biggest difference is they don't train you to approach the roles that you will actually be playing or allowed to be playing or typecast into playing Mm -hmm. when you're starting as an actor, that's what's necessary. And that's what was difficult for me going to acting school. It's like, I'm reading for the roles of 30, 40 year old white guys and I can't relate to it. Like I can't bring my truth to it because I'm 20 years old. You know, like I, I get it. You're teaching me the mechanics, but the materials for me aren't there yet. So you know, my time getting back into acting and, and now I'm 35 years old, like I've lived my life, you know, as, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a, as a manager that's been working, I can bring so much more. And now, even though materials might have been for a white guy and his struggles, it, it's, I've lived more of a life, but now my journey and purpose, it's like, okay, I want to tell the story of this Filipino man. And as far as actor director relationship, it's like everything else. You have to have an established relationship so you have that trust. And with that trust, 
it's so much easier to communicate. You know, for me working with Francis, I met Francis on Live It, you know, and I, I feel like I've known him my whole life, you know, that because we had that established relationship, it was a lot easier for me to direct him because he knows I'm not like telling him things just to tell him things. But I also know how he is and know the right way to tell him something and give him a note that will help the performance. Because like everything else, right, whether it's a story, whether it's a series, it's an arc, right? It's it's either you're together or you're apart or you start apart and then you're together, Mm -hmm. just like in life. (laughs) So that's really what I try to establish, you know, with my relationships with people and with people with that community. Now you have a whole cast to deal with that. So, So that's my approach to that. No, that's beautiful. I mean, confidence, definitely, and having that depth and experience. And then most importantly is building the connection. So, um, Francis, any other things you want to add in terms of, you know, the skills, in terms of the discussion around that? Well, I'm just going to, I think the outfits touched, it base, touched base on it already because apart from the skill set that the academia route or the conservatory route or university route that everyone's trying to get into First and foremost, this industry is an industry of relationships. Because, like I said, like Alfred's have said, if it weren't for my friendship with Alfred, he wouldn't know how to direct me or I wouldn't know how Alfred's would work. And it's the first time we're actually working. And if we don't keep tabs on our... No, for real. If we don't keep tabs on our fellows in, in the industry, on their work, we don't watch it and we don't even look on it, we wouldn't know how are we going to approach them when we start, if we ever had the chance of working with them. And it's an interesting thing because my first acting gig, the director was able to actually make it possible for me to get that job, even though I'm in my last semester of the conservatory. And I was able to continuously work with him. I ended up doing a sketch comedy series here in New York, which is a sketch of New York. It's a relationship game because... Our industry may be too big, It's too. there's a lot of people, but our worlds are so small that you probably have worked with someone that probably have worked with someone that you're currently working with. And, and I'm telling you, people would deny it, but people talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think in any industry, it's important to build that relationship and, and going back to the community as well and the importance of amplifying our voices and promoting our culture. So I think I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit to the discussion around the Philippine ex-identity. You know, recently, Minari was nominated uh, for the best uh, picture category, along with the other actors as well. But there's a bigger question in terms of what is the state of the industry in terms of Asian representation and specifically Philippine ex representation. So I do want to hear your thoughts on two things. Number one, what do you think is the state of the industry when it comes to representation? Is it getting better? Is it moving into the right direction? And then second is, what can we do to increase the representation of specifically Filipino Americans or Philippine ex-creatives? Charles? Yeah, I've heard both discussions. Sometimes I'm, I'm in a room with Francis speaking, and I, I love these rooms in Clubhouse. And there's a lot of that same question. And I love hearing both sides because there's some sides that say, there's not enough. We're still invisible, uh, which is true. But on the other end, piggyback on top of that, it's like that whole uh, conversation of like money talks. It's what sells, you know, the gatekeepers and the people on top, they're going to, 
if everyone, if all the Filipinos came out to see all of all the films, they would see it as like, oh my God, look at, they're spending money. Let's green light more projects. And so I think it, it goes hand in hand. Uh, and on the flip side, I am seeing like, I've been just growing up like in the nineties or even two thousands watching, growing up on like American television, it was all like, you know, a lot of white cast and some black and you know, in, in the last like five, 10 years, there, there have been some breakthroughs. Like the fact that like Nico Santos on Superstore uh, is playing a Filipino character. And even just like fast forward to today, Minari, the fact that there's like two Asian actors in best actor category for the Oscars this year. There's Minari, Chloe Zhao for like a uh, Chinese American woman for directing and writing and editing for Nomadland, like stuff like that. Like, and the fact that Parasite won Best Picture last year, like go back to like five, 10 years ago. Like if you said like those things would happen in the last two years, like I'd be like, that's crazy. Like, um, so I do think there actually is, yes, it could be more, but I think slowly in the pockets, I think we are kind of coming out of the woodwork. Like this is, I, I know we're talking about film and stuff, but the fact that like Olivia Rodrigo's song is like, has been like the number one song in the US and she's half Filipino, right? Uh, like stuff like that. Like, it's just cool to, hear those things like oh she's half filipino like or stuff like that so i, I don't know i think I, I think yes and no at the same time i think that's a better than no right? <laughs> or not at all, not, nothing at all um, but that's good thanks charles for sharing that what about you alfred what do you think is the state of the industry when it comes to representation and what can we do to increase that representation so i stopped working for seven years because i've never seen filipino in the background breakdown right now I am. I'm seeing Filipino in the breakdown specifically, and it's great. A lot of these projects are non-union. You know, I'd like to see more projects that are, you know, union. It's important to have representation not only in a breakdown, but behind the camera as far as writers, you know, editors, DPs, directors, you know, the whole nine yards, it needs to be there. And this goes on, 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 and on again. It's like, we have to wait for the gatekeepers to let us in. I'm like, you know what? We need to build our own gate. Mm -hmm. That is what's important. And there's enough Filipinos in America to support this. And it's not about Hollywood looking how much money they can make off of us, but it's about how much money our community can invest in our creatives that are here to tell these stories. With Minari, with Yellow Rose, amazing, beautiful. Like I, I cried. I had to watch it in the theaters, right? This is a story that needed to be told. Nico Santos in, in, in Superstore, absolutely. The Thad Filipino Brothers that's in South by Southwest, I was able to watch it through SAG. Great story, right? Like we need to get that in that level. We need to have a Filipino Tyler Perry that's writing stories for us, building that audience and community and powerhouse that now he's a billionaire, you know, by making content for his people. And, you know, that's, where I feel like I, I, I want to be, right? I, I want to create content for us and find like-minded individuals because it's not just going to take me or Francis or Charles. It's going to take all of us to create and build our own, not Hollywood, right? But Filipino entertainment industry. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, you're already doing it, right? Just advancing through and keep hustling, keep pushing. Yeah, you know, the next Tyler Perry, it's one of you guys. 
you know, it would be great if it's all three of you, right? Everybody who is really pursuing, you know, we need to see them more. And, and thanks for that, Alfred. Francis, what about you? What can we do to increase representation? And For me, because it's already happening. Like, I mean, Charles and Alfred has already mentioned it, that there, it, things are currently happening. And again, I was so amused if it weren't for Clubhouse, I would not have realized there's a Filipino agent and a Filipino manager, and a Filipino producer, director, writer, editor, that are even producers for two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, Augie Vargas, five-time Emmy Award uh, nominee, uh, Ben Bulatao, and a number of them, I, I wouldn't even meet these people. I wouldn't even have this or if it weren't for Clubhouse, which is great. Now, my another concern that there's already representation happening behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And this has been a discussion I had yesterday with some of the people with the Philippine Film TV Entertainment yesterday. It's great, but we also have to be careful about two things. When we talk about Asians, people would have this monolithic idea of this chinky-eyed people, which is not great. And because there are three kinds of Asians, as I would like to say, East Asian, Southeast Asians, and South Asians. That's another thing that we have to address how we are viewing what we say about Asians in a monolithic aspect. Because it's already being a discussion in the casting world. We're in, well, we have to specify specify whether it be a South Asian, Southeast Asian, or a South Asian. We have to get that, uh, we have to further uh, uh, give that clarification and definition on what they really wanted. Because when they say Asian, it's becoming a monolithic thing. Yep. And the second thing is that we also have to be careful uh, and we also have to take into account and be mindful on how these are currently happening. Yes, they're pushing towards representation. Yes, people are now looking into actually reaching out to specific demographics. Like when I was in two different sets earlier this week, I wouldn't have gotten it if casting would not even reach out to me, even for background work, which is unusual. Wherein normally you would get this breakdown, this massive email from casting, and even though you submit, you would not even hear from them. But it was very unusual for me where in action people are reaching out to me that casting associates, casting directors would reach out to me personally via email or by phone call, which is very highly unusual, even for, let's say, for shows like Maisel, Succession, or Blacklist, where these are big network shows. It doesn't normally happen. So when I got into the set, I'm thinking, oh, okay, there's a fair amount and a really great amount of diversity in the cast. However, are they actually just using this one for the intent of actually including them? Or are we, are they, we also have to give them a check, give them accountability, or are you actually just reaching out because you need it for the sake of using the AKA tokenism? Like what happened with Crazy Rich Asians and Parasite, great. But again, at that time, they're the only Asian show in these award shows. While they're getting recognition, it's somehow being still perceived as tokenism. And we have to go beyond that. Well, representation and much more visibility is happening. The next thing I think we should all do is to uh, break down and like literally eliminate the concept of tokenism. Yeah, no, that's a good point, Francis. So there's representation, but there's also real representation where the Philippine ex-Asian American identity is represented from all aspects of filmmaking. You know, you've provided a lot of good examples. So let me ask some question. You know, right now, there's changes that's happening in the industry, but there could be more, right? So in a perfect world, let's say five years from now, what does it look like for Philippine X creatives? You know, what are the elements of that successful 
world where we are represented. Charles? Yeah, I, I do. I, I totally agree with what Francis just said about how we have to be more specific. And I totally agree. So to kind of reverse back, I really think it starts honestly with the writing. Like if we can train or if like Filipino writers come out of the woodwork or like if we can, whether it be going to classes or just like uh, workshops or being mentored by like writers in the industry, I think that's kind of the first step that will lead all to this other stuff. Because if you're not writing a Filipino story, the uh, the casting department's not going to cast Filipino. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's like the way to get to the top is starts with the writing. So I feel like that should be the path. And it's about not just writing. We can all write a story that has Filipino characters, but besides representation, I do think. There is a sector at the top where it's like, is it a good story? Like we have to kind of also just focus on the fact that, yes, we would love to tell stories that are Filipino or that are Asian that talks about our family. But at the end of the day, some people it's like, but is your story as original as it, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that is kind of the key because I think honestly, and this might be a dreamer in me, if someone was knocked out by this amazing, unique story that's never been told before but it happens to be Filipino. Honestly, if the story is so good, I don't think it matters. It's like, oh my God, this is going to sell. This is going to be a a blockbuster. And if it happens to be Filipino, great. So I I do think it's the art of storytelling that is really the path to the top. Yeah, that's that's my opinion. Yep. I mean, it's somewhere there, but you're right. Call to action to all the writers out there. Start writing our stories. Thanks, Charles, for sharing that. What about you, Alfred? What does it look like five years you know, there's representation. Yeah, what are your thoughts? What I'd like to see is a Filipino streaming service that mashes social media and production and entertainment telling Filipino X stories. And it's not just, oh, they're all just Filipino, like what Charles is saying. What made Parasite a beautiful story? I don't speak Korean, but I understood the whole story because it was just brilliant. Right. Yep. And there's there's so much of these stories to be told on our perspective that we can share. So if there's a Filipino Netflix that's streaming, that's wonderful. Right. Building that strong audience in the first five years, and then from there, really branching out as as a full production. That's a, such a good point. It's another element from a business standpoint, creating the tools. So that creatives can really leverage those to create their craft. And this is always just in my brain. I think I told yeah. this before. Do you remember? Yeah, of course. That at all. Yeah. Right. So for those that don't, and just a refresh, it was old Filipino story where somebody would write a letter and there would be a host and they tell the story of, you know, different overseas workers, or whatever. They're strictly, you know, Filipino stories. That's, that's what I want to see right? Where it's a bunch of different Filipino stories all over the world. And you have a core cast of actors, like American Horror Story has a core cast of actors. And we make that, you know, we bring that story to life, but it's interactive with everyone. It's like we we vote which stories are important to you and we produce it, you know, in a week. That's what I'd like to see, you know? Yes. Alfred, let's make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, I mean, there's such momentum now right you mentioned clubhouse you know we're building connections we're building a community i'm really positive that there will be something we'll see that pretty soon if not already happening i think francis your thoughts 
apart from what they have said, because it's the same thing I was going to say, I don't want to be an echo chamber on this one. Because it's possible, <laughs> but it depends on how it's going to happen. Like, especially right now, we're in, there's a massive, the lens has been much more magnified towards representation, visibility, and accountability, right? And diversity, equity, inclusion, basically. I want, not only for Filipinos, but every BIPOC story, I was going to say this, that I want us to be seen with regards to the universality of the stories that we tell, not just beyond our race. I want our, I want us to be seen with regards of our, our ethnicity, our heritage, and our race and the heritage to be seen as a secondary. I want to dive into that. The reason why we're telling these stories is because of the universality of it. It's not because it's a Filipino story. It just happened that these people are consist of Filipinos. The setting is Filipino. Like what the example for Parasite. It just happened that the the, exa- the setting is in Korea, but the universality of that one resonates with every single one of us. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely. It's the story first and foremost, and it, and the characters just happen to be Filipinos. So we need to see those as well. So let me shift to a different kind of questioning. Let's do some fun questions. So, you know, we talked about the five-year kind of vision in terms of what that perfect picture is. But I do want to ask in your creative pursuit, what's your dream project? Whether it's working with somebody, you know, famous or just a vision. What is it? I'll start with Charles. Honestly, my dream project would be if I could be making a feature film with a full Filipino cast. And if I could help the friends that I made coming up give them jobs or just kind of feel that vibe where it's not like I'm the director and these people have been in the industry for so long. I'd rather make a film with like the people that I saw come up. And like, I just feel like that would be my personal dream project to be in a room where like with my friends and with people that I admire and you know, where it's like what Alfred was saying, like kind of building that relationship. That to me is the dream just on a personal level. You know, that's a good example, right? You know, it's very much the element of bringing the community together and collectively amplifying our voices and promoting our culture. But, you know, it could be personal as well. Like if you have a person that you want to work with, an actor, director, or something like that. I would love to work with, oh my gosh, Ava Noblezita. I just think she was so great in Yellow Rose. I started listening to the Hadestown uh, soundtrack. And like you said, Alfred, you cried. She brought me to tears as well. Like there's just something about the way her spirit just just comes out of her and I, I to me she's amazing um so that would be my dream <laughs> i i know in my heart that that will happen and let's manifest that into really happening in the future so you know that's good what about you alfred dream project a, a dream project for me i'd like to do one day is tell my grandfather's story and what's important in this is putting us in history it's very seldom that we are in film or television where we are in history, right? In period pieces that tell our history and that be the hero and not the victim or the villain, right? And my grandfather's story is he's the town hero. And what he did was during World War II, during Japanese occupation, towards the end, there are a bunch of Japanese soldiers still around in their village of Leyte and Palumpon, and he was a bounty hunter. So he would hunt down these Japanese soldiers and apparently had the secret amulet, right? That would make him like bulletproof. So it'd be a nice, like, you know, action period adventure piece, all shot in black and white, you know, like Mad Max, you know, that, that, that would be my dream. 
And if uh, Quinn Tarantino could be like my guy who could who could help me produce it. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, that's such a powerful concept. The bounty hunter, you know, in black and white, hunting, you know, kind of the, well, quote unquote, enemies of the war back in the day. Yeah, I mean, we got to see it, Alfreds. <laughs> we have to see it. Francis, what about you? Um, Actually, I did write a play, an autobiographical play that tells the story of a modern-day Filipino immigrant and the layers of him, basically my life story that has different layers. I'm talking about his journey of unpack and in realizing and knowing the immigration life, especially in the context of the present time. And then... Also discussing, I actually found out that I was HIV positive a few months as soon as I got moved to America, but I'm already healthy. And I've never seen any modern stories that tackles about that when they showcase HIV. We're always going to talk about the angels in America. We're going to to talk about Rent or the Larry Kramer uh, plays. And I want to actually give a positive note towards tackling that one and also building the relationship towards family and families and immigration that just happened to be in a Filipino setting. And I'm actually trying to translate that into a film. And I want Leia Salonga to be my mom. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah, I want Leia Salonga to be my mom and John Zambrianis to be my dad. (laughs) But again... Again, I don't want to, I don't, it's not an exclusive thing. It just happens to be, but I really want to have a big, one of my biggest projects is actually, uh, that I really dream of is to have an anthology of, not just for Filipinos, but also it actually is going to stem out into our history and showcasing a much more, um, a dramatic, it's a drama anthology about our history during the colonization period. Wherein it would also include our our Latinx and Hispanic friends and also our Black friends in the in the islands. Here's the thing: there's a big disconnect between our between our Latinx and Hispanics and the Filipinos. Wherein historically there's this big presence that has been untapped, and I want to dive into that one because then this is why I'm getting involved as well with the Latinx slash diverse filmmakers filmmakers on Clubhouse because I want to bridge that gap. That's my biggest project that I that I really want to dream about. I really want to dream because we all know the saying we're in, a victors tell the story. No. I don't want the victors to tell the story. If they get, if they get to tell the story, then let these colonized people and let these people who you colonize tell their story as well in their perspective. Because it's unfair and there are a lot more rich history and much more rich stories that are needed to be told coming from those pre-colonial period and because of these invaders before we even before our entire history has been and identity has been washed and that's one of my that's one that's my dream project that i'm trying to like want to build and i want to see how i'm gonna map it out and outline first because i know it's a it's it's too big for my end that's why i'm start, i want to start collaborating with people and I know have some I have some historian friends that I'm trying to reach and get some resources with and some drop I also do dramaturgy sometimes. So but I need help on working on that one. Absolutely. And that's what we're here for, right? We're trying to build a community. There's just so much. There's so many stories to tell. You guys have provided a lot of good examples already. Charles, you wanted to work with the Filipino cast. Alfred's, you know, the bounty hunter story, even the Ma'ala'ala Mukaya earlier, you know, the reference. And I do want to mention too what you said on social media. We need to assemble the 
Filipino Avengers already in the entertainment industry. And with your story, Francis, I mean, we need to see a lot of, there's so much to tell, right? You know, the colonized countries, immediately when you started talking about that, I was imagining like, oh, it's like a Bridgerton, but it's like all these different countries that, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I, when I saw Bridgerton, that, that hit on my mind. Like we're in, and there's this story, uh, there's this Netflix series that I also was watching right now. It's purely in Spanish, but I was like, you know what? I want these colonizers, these tribal people, this, to be the heroes, not just to be the savages that a lot of these colonizers would call us. So those, that literally sparked my mind. I really wanted to tell that story, actually. That's wonderful. Yeah, let's make it happen. Make it happen. So one other fun question before I pivot back to some of the identity-related ones. I think some of you mentioned already some of the actors and actresses, but like Charles, for instance, you have Eve Noblezada. Any other favorite actors or actresses? It could be American or it could be Filipino. I know you had a short film once, and at the end, you have the credits where you had like Piolo Pascual. I remember seeing that. So it was, it was, so, it was so good. So yeah, um, any favorite actors or actresses? Um, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I'm a rom- romantic comedy fan. I even like the really bad Hallmark ones. Uh, there was like a part during the pandemic where I was just watching the Filipino romantic comedies. And Catherine Bernardo, I think, is an amazing actress. There's something about the way she cries and the way she is. She's spunky and <laughs> cute. I, I don't know, maybe her. On the flip side for production, I would love to shoot something with Matthew Libatique, who's like uh, amazing DP who's Filipino. He shot A Star is Born, uh, Venom. Um, he's like, He's amazing. So those two. Great answers. Alfreds, what about you? I have been inspired every single day of John John Briones. Like ever since seeing him in Versace, like to see a Filipino father get played in a series was just brilliant. And then seeing him in Ratchet and his character work, like it's just it's so in- inspiring to me of the kind of actor I want to be. You know, with the, with the journey that he's had. Oh my gosh, Alfred, I can totally see it. I can totally see it. You know, just watching your monologue recently, the Dr. COVID, that was amazing. So I, I, oh, I can't wait to see, you know, let's, let's manifest that into happening. Francis, what about you? That is a hard question for me to answer. <laughs> no, because I really want to work with a lot of people. Probably someone famous. Just because I'm a very much of a musical theater guy, I oh, I really want to work with, apart from John John Briones, of course, he's also a musical theater god, Filipino one, and Leia Salong and Eva. I actually wanted, I really wanted to work with George Salazar, mm-hmm. who is uh, my, who played Michael Mel in Be More Chill, the musical. It's one of the modern, obscure musicals that got into Broadway. Who George Salazar is Filipino-American-Ecuadorian. And when I saw the show, I was like, that's exactly the role that I really want to do on theater. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tired of golden age and the contemporary ones that we know. We all love them. We love the shows. We love the orchestrations. That's why we keep on reviving them. I'm tired of revival and I'm tired of Phantom of the Opera, to be honest. I've been saying that for a while now because that show has been problematic. I mean, the music is great. The characters, the costume, and the storyline is it. But we're actually glorifying stalking in that show. I was like, what? I don't like it. One of the people that I really want to work with, of course, Sondheim. 
the Stephen Sondheim. I really want to do one of, if I'm going to do a revival, I want to do our Sondheim show. And my uh, George Salazar, Joe Iconis, of course, is a great contemporary musical theater. If Jonathan Larson is alive, I would love to work with Jonathan Larson. And who else? for lead, of course, Eva, as I already said, Eva, Leah Salonga. And I want to work with, for movies with uh, and TV, Jonathan Groff and Aaron Tibbet and Skylar Astin. Because they're the ones right now that I actually resonate with on TV and film. And even though they're white guys, it's just, they just happen to be white guys. But the shows and the characters that they actually have, the story arc, is pretty much universal. And I actually resonate with that. That's why I want, I want to work with them. So definitely all the musical guns, right? So no, those are some of my favorites as well. So I'm going to ask you the last question here. And just to close out our discussion, to go back to the topic of Philippine X in Hollywood, there's a lot of really good takeaways here. And I think, you know, the one thing is just keep doing it, right? Building our community and we need to see more stories out there. So you guys are all young, but there's other younger Filipino Americans out there who might be interested in pursuing a path in this industry as well. So what is the advice you would give to you know the young generation, Philippinex, who are interested in this path? Charles? Honestly, it's come up with the people that I met. Like the same people that I use today are like people that I work with on set. I want that to keep happening. Like when I get into like more features and just down the line. So I think like if you're just starting out, you got to find your people on the same level that you're at because I, I just feel like it's going to be more fulfilling if you get to the top or like even if you're still in the middle where you're growing with the same people that you started with. I think there's like a beauty in that. And I think that'd be my advice is like find people who can just be on your team and, you know, be on their set. They'd be on your set like that camaraderie, like that relationship building. I think that's the key. Uh, and that'd be my advice. That's beautiful. I love it. What about you, Alfred? Uh, my advice is definitely to be brave enough to say out loud what you want to do with your life yep, and look for people who are exactly interested in that as well. And look for mentors, reach out, you know, cause there are elders in the community that want to help. We just don't know who needs that guidance because we've all been scared Yeah, to say, I want to be an artist. I am an actor. This is my purpose. It's taken me 20 years to admit that. But if I would have had somebody to tell me, hey, it's okay, you can say you're an actor, you're an artist, the universe is yours at 15 years old, I'd be a lot further than where I am right now. Yep, that's amazing. And and you guys are already paving the way for them. So they actually, the younger generation have so many people to reach out to nowadays who can definitely help them. So that's a very good message of mentorship and really connecting. What about you, Francis? This is something that I'm still trying to learn and apply to myself. Don't be afraid to ask. Because right now, there's a lot more people who are more than willing to help, especially in our community as Filipinos. Like mentorship. A lot of us never had a mentor. We have to learn on their own. But right now, there's a lot more people who are more than willing to mentor, Mm -hmm. to help you, to actually be there for you, and to actually be your support system. Like, I personally don't have J. Elaine Marcus as my mentor, but J. Elaine Marcus has 10 Broadway credits under her belt, a Filipina 10 Broadway credits under her belt, which is uh, was like mind-blowing. But because of the friendship and the relationship that we had, I treat her as a mentor. And if it because she's also another 
international immigrant artist. And I met someone on Clubhouse that has been trying to move from the Philippines to the U.S. to be an actor. And I said, you all should stop. This is me. This is my lane. Like, literally, don't be afraid to, like, ask. Because right now, at this time, there are more people in our community who is more than willing to be your mentor, whether it be directly or indirectly. And I'm going to say they're lucky right now. And don't take that for granted. Continue doing the work. Continue pushing the envelope because you have a much more better support system compared to a lot of us who came before you. That, absolutely, yeah. Reach out and uh, take advantage of that momentum. Actually, I thought that that was my last question, but I wanted to ask you, what can you talk about the current projects that you're working on so that people could really look forward to seeing you? So let me go back to Francis, Alfred, and then Charles, and then we can close it. <laughs> I don't want to hear your uh, projects, Francis. Go ahead. I cannot really say anything because as long here's the thing in our industry, once an NDA is served, whatever stage of the project is, <laughs> you have to be mum. Okay. Uh, the only thing I can say right now is you can occasionally find me on Amazon's newest platform called Amazon Live, where I'm also creative director and also the host. And it, uh, that being that position allowed me to sit in both sides of the table to allow representation in new media, in a new venture, in live streaming, in a new format and function to also create space and allow much more opportunities for us to still be somehow in the industry, enhance more new skills. And yeah, you can find me there. And that's all I can say right now because the things that I have on summer, I cannot really say anything. We'll just keep following you, Francis. What about you, Alfred? Are we going to see more Manny Pacquiao or Freddie Mercury impersonations or, you know, like the Exodus, right? So tell us about, what can you tell us about, you know, the projects that, that we should look out for? So I'll always be creating content on my Instagram. So please look out. I'm in just write stuff based on what inspires me in the world. And right now, it's really addressing the anti-Asian hate crimes that are happening. Yep. So I am writing monologues to help create a world where these stories can be told. And for me, that's what's important. I know there's something greater out there in the horizon because I'm putting this energy out. As far as Exodus, look out for Exodus's theatrical release, hopefully by the end of the year. That's that's beautiful. I mean, we're here to support you. So just keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for that, Alfred. What about you, Charles? You know, what's next and what you're working on? Um, yeah, I just, first off, I just want to say thanks for having me. And I can't wait to see Exodus. And I'd love to, in the future, work one day with Francis and Alfred. Yeah, I just think uh, you guys are really cool, solid people. And this is actually my first time meeting you, Alfred. It's nice to meet you. Francis, I feel like I know you, even though we've never met, like just through Clubhouse. Such a big spirit on there. I love it. I'm currently writing two features. One is my Filipino passion project, and it's a little gritty. And then one I'm writing with a friend. And this is not really a Filipino story, but it's like she's half Korean, half white, and we're kind of just doing this like fun movie. So it's like I'm, I'm doing two features that we're just I'm just in writing mode. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, Charles, but, you know, one thing I would say when I saw your videos, you have a style and you have a voice. So, you know, absolutely wonderful seeing the short films that you've posted and you've shared. So with that, you know, that's the end of our podcast. So thanks again, everybody. Thanks, Charles, Alfred, and Francis. So we're looking forward to seeing your upcoming projects. <laughs>